You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about organizing your life um, and just to rehearse a couple of things to you and, um, and kind of encourage you this morning. Uh, I've heard several people talk about how, wow, we're, we're really starting to do a lot of work, like reaching out into the neighborhood and loving on the neighborhood. We got this idea from God, okay? And uh, Pastor Dave and I were praying and seeking God for some, some direction, you know, and, and felt some, some really significant impressions uh, that we feel like really are the Holy Spirit speaking to us and, and challenging us uh, to think bigger than ourselves and to think out beyond us, and that's really important to us to do that. Um, but we really felt like that God was saying, love your neighborhood, you know. Um, I tell people that, that God really kind of tricked us, you know. He gave us a tremendous youth ministry for a, for a season. Uh, of about four years, which is which if you follow high school students, they start in the ninth grade, they go to the twelfth grade, that's about four years, and then they go on, you know. Well, God gave us some young teenagers and brought them in, and the place just grew. We had to, we had we really bought this building with that in mind, that we had all of these young people, uh, these teenagers, and Pastor Dave was was uh, going crazy uh, handling about, you know, 80 to 120 teenagers in here at night, uh, just just doing, you know, wonderful things, um, and over the course of time, of course, they graduated from high school and, and went on. It, God used that to get us to buy this building, but I think he had a lot more in mind. I don't, I'm not so sure that, that he didn't just, like, you know, know right from the start that he wanted us in this neighborhood. We didn't know that, but he wanted us here. So we bought the building for youth ministry. We ministered to the youth. They got graduated. They're all going, hopefully doing great things somewhere else, but they're not around anymore, but we're still here. Um, so we're in the neighborhood. Uh, we're a part of the neighborhood. And you know what? God's given us a heart. We've fallen in love with the neighborhood. You know, we love this area. We love the people here. We love, we love the excitement of this neighborhood. We love the diversity of this neighborhood. It's really, really great. And we're glad to be here, all right? Uh, you know, like anybody doesn't like their neighborhood once in a while. You know, and once in a while, you just don't like your, like your neighborhood. You don't like your front yard. You know, you don't, you don't like your driveway or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying this is a perfect world, okay? But I'm saying that, that overall, generally speaking, as Life Church, we love this neighborhood. And we love the, the, the place that, that God has us. This, this is a very unique position in, in the community. But we want to reach a neighborhood. And so we targeted an, an area in this part of the city. You can see it on the wall when you go outside and look in the big room. Uh, the wall uh, between my office and Pastor Dave's office, there's, there's a map of the area that we feel like is our neighborhood, all right? We've sort of claimed it, all right? We've sort of marked it out with boundaries, and this is our neighborhood. And we want to influence this neighborhood. We want to influence it for good, all right? We want to love on it and bless it and care about it and take care of it in a lot of different ways. And I think that is on God's heart, all right? I think that's something that God wants to see happen, and he wants more and more and more and more of that, okay? Uh, this week, as you know, many of you know, we prayer walk, we walk the streets of the neighborhood, and we pray, and we, we bless the houses as we go by, and, and we bless uh, what we imagine to be, you know, the, 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 the dynamics in, in, in e on each block, and we look around for things that can help us to understand our neighborhood and love it better. When we did the outreach a few Saturdays ago, uh, we, we wanted to learn about our neighbors wanted it to have just an open house. You know, we put those big inflatables up, and the kids came over, and the parents came over, and, and shared their hearts with us, and talked about the neighborhood, and, you know, the neighborhood isn't without its issues or its troubles, uh, nor is any other neighborhood, you know. Uh, someone was, was killed in this neighborhood a few weeks ago. It grieved us. It hurt our hearts, you know. Uh, a week later, someone is murdered, literally, uh, on the south end of town. The enemy is not a respecter of neighborhoods, all right? Uh, it Evil happens everywhere, but we're here. This is the neighborhood we're in, and we're going to bless it, and we're going to pray for it and care about it and love on it. And as I said, I believe that's God's heart. Uh, this week, Jack was walking and praying, and uh, I, I won't get all probably all the details that he has for this story, but I'll try to just give, give it enough of it so you can understand it. Uh, he, he's walking, and he watches two guys, and he realizes that they've got on the same kind of shirts, and so they look. these shirts to him look like they belong to somebody that would go to a church. And so uh, he, he's walking behind him, and he realizes that they got little bags, and, and what they're doing is they're walking around on the streets of this neighborhood, and they are picking up trash and putting it in the bags. 
And so he starts to walk a little faster with the intent of trying to catch up to them, which he does eventually. And when he does, without trying to be too invasive, he tries to figure out, you know, hey, what, what are you guys doing? You know, well, we're just picking up trash. Uh, you know, and they're with a, they're with a church group. They're w- actually with a, 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 like a, a short-term missions group that have come in. So they're, they're like from out of town, but they're here working with a church. And so their project for the day is to, is to, to go into a neighborhood uh, and, and help clean it up and help make it a little better and, and do a little something for it. And this is the neighborhood they find themselves in, picking up the trash along the way. And you think, well, that, that's kind of corny. That's kind of cheesy. No, it's not. I think God wants to clean up the neighborhood. I think God will do that in all different kinds of ways. Uh, there was an occasion in, in my own life when I was walking in an area of my neighborhood that I live in, in another part of the city, and, and as I was walking around, I was like, God, I want to be a light in this neighborhood. I want to care about this neighborhood. I want to love this neighborhood. And on that particular afternoon, and I, you know, because I'm a runner, I, I, I jog through the neighborhood, and I, I, you know, I go around the various streets in the neighborhood, and I, sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. You know, but on this particular day, I was just walking along, uh, kind of at a fast clip and uh, talking to God about the neighborhood, saying, I want to be alive here. I want to care about this place. I want to love these people. And I specifically felt the impression like I was hearing God speaking to me. No audible voice, no magical situation, none of that kind of stuff. Just a simple uh, sense, you know, just an idea popped into my mind that I thought it was the voice of God saying, pick up the trash. Pick up the trash. And, and for the first time, I opened my eyes. You know what? I'd never seen the trash along the curb of the street before. I wasn't looking for it. I was busy running or busy doing whatever I, I, I do. You know, but I, I looked and, and I began to see you know, broken glass that a little child had cut their foot on or, or things like that. And so I began to reach down and pick them up. Sorry. But something overwhelmed me, and I began to really feel emotion, and I began to sort of like weep a little bit, you know, like tears came in my eyes, you know, and I'm out there on the street, and I'm trying to wince, you know, and get, get, get the water out of my eyes, I don't want people seeing this guy out there on the side of the street picking up trash and crying, you know, in a way, you know, <laughs> but, but it, it, it just seemed like that was an impression of God, and I think sometimes God has us do things in a natural sense to help us to understand what he's doing and, and if you look around our neighborhood here, God's been doing some amazing things to refurbish and renew and rebuild and restore and clean up and love and bless this neighborhood. And how much more of what we see in the natural is God's heart spiritual for this neighborhood. So that's why we're here. That's why Life Church has been planted here in this neighborhood is to be a spiritual light and a hope into this neighborhood. All right? So... Given all of that now, we begin to, to, to seek God about what's our direction and where we're going to go. We feel like this is the neighborhood that we need to reach into and we need to, to grow while we're here in this neighborhood and do great things for God here. But we believe that God's going to help us grow. But, of course, we don't want to be some big mega church. We don't feel like that's our call to be big. And we feel like we need to build relationships and, and, and have intimacy and, and accountability with one another and love one another and be a, a community that's solid together and, and growing together and doing life together. Uh, but we do believe that we can influence the city neighborhood by neighborhood, whatever those neighborhoods might look like. And here's the, here's the big vision, all right? Here's, here's the big idea out there for us is that at some point this this body of believers will grow enough that we can raise up another pastor and a, and a group out of this group who can move over to one of the other designated neighborhoods in the city of Sioux Falls, and our influence will grow and increase. Amen. Yes, that's right. We can have a greater influence as we, as because there's going to be another little life church somewhere in this neighborhood someday, in, in a, few, a few years down the road, and maybe another and another. Because we feel like this is what God wants us to do, is to grow in fellowship, grow in community, grow in faith, but also grow in influence and in impact. All right? So that's just kind of an idea. Think about it. Pray about it. Pray into that. All right? That this might be exactly what we are going to do as Life Church, and that you're going to be a part of that. And what is your part to play in, in restoring and revitalizing the neighborhoods of this city, influencing them for the kingdom of God, bringing light into whatever darkness may be? surrounding that particular area of our city. All right, now, two Sundays ago, I talked to you about the idea of not becoming a Demas. The 
Apostle Paul says, Timothy, you need to come to me because Demas has forsaken me. He's left, he's left for the cares of this world. They've, they've consumed him, and he's gone off to Thessalonica, a representation of the world and worldliness and all of that. And here's two young men who, side by side, could come under the influence of this great apostle and under his teaching and his mentoring. But one stays and one leaves because of the cares of the world got in the way. I don't think that we live in a season and a time of life where there's greater cares of the world uh, inundating us. Economic problems are all around us. Difficulties are everywhere. There's earthquakes. There's flooding going on all around us. There's, there's such major things, and, and, and they bombard us. And there's our, our own lives and, and, and the things that we're challenged with and just living in our neighborhood or just, just doing life. We get bombarded, and the cares of the world can overtake us, and we can get overcommitted to things, and, and we, can, we can get so wrapped up that we fail to follow God way that is most effective and life-giving for us. And then last week I talked to you about the idea of eagles. And I used the analogy of the eagle when when he's he's young and lured out of that very comfortable, big, wonderful nest of his by his mommy. And and when he steps out, daddy comes in behind and takes all the soft feathers and, and the fur from dead animals out of the nest and make the nest very uncomfortable and, and pokey. And so when the little little eagle goes back in, he doesn't feel comfortable anymore. He doesn't like it there anymore. He doesn't know what's going on. So, But it's easier for mom to lure him out and get him up in the air. But when she gets him up in the air, she turns over. She flips over and he starts to fall. It's a free fall. But daddy's up there hovering around somewhere and he's watching and calculating the measure of the, of the speed by which he's falling. And that, that daddy eagle knows exactly when there's a point where he has to come down and rescue. He waits because he's hoping that those appendages start to move and he begins to fly and he becomes the kind of eagle that knows how to soar on those, those, those currents of air, you know. But if he doesn't, daddy's there waiting. And he swoops down and he comes under and he grabs him, takes him back up, and he free falls again until he learns. Daddy and mommy make sure that he grows, he matures, and he becomes the, the eagle that he's supposed to be, and he flies, he soars. The Bible knows all about that and makes references to that. And, and God's intent is that you and I not live in the comfort of the nest. We can't just stay there and be fed by mommy and daddy the rest of our lives. And so he creates uncomfortable situations, and he moves us out of our comfort zone. For some of you, going out on the streets of your neighborhood is not a comfortable thing to do. Walking and praying may not be the place that you thought you would find yourself. Maybe you didn't even think you would find yourself in this place when you joined Life Church. But we are here. And God's saying, I'm moving you out. And so it's important that you and I are prepared for that. That we know how to live in that level of maturity that God is calling us so over the next two Sundays, I want to give you several things. I want to talk to you about prioritizing your life spiritually and giving you a few simple strategies that will help you to be as effective as you possibly can be to serve God and love God and love people and, and work for His kingdom. All right, let's pray together. God, we love you today and we're so thankful that in your sovereign wisdom, you have placed us specifically in the geographical location that you want us to be as a church with the intent that we would serve you by, by increasing and building your kingdom around us. We pray that we can be faithful to what you have entrusted to us. And I ask you that today you will help us to, to let you, allow you by the Holy Spirit's power and the truth of your word, speak some things to us. Speak some life to us and some direction to us out of your word. Through some simple examples, God, would you begin to, to hone us and, and mature us and make us into the men and women of God that you intend for us to be for very noble purposes. May we serve you faithfully. May today we be inspired to be the vessels of honor that you've called us to be. Today, may we yield to your Holy Spirit as you challenge us to step out of comfortable places 
into those places where you want to prove yourself faithful and good and wonderful and trustworthy and powerful. And as you change us, and as you shape us, we'll give you glory and honor and praise. I pray for the spirit of courage to just fall on every person in this room. That today there's, there's new levels of boldness and courage that just come, come to us that we determine in our hearts that we will obey. Not only trust, but obey. And out of that, we will find joy and freedom. God be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're talking about organizing and prioritizing our lives. It's really uh, the idea of creating some kind of grid for keeping uh, our lives in order, all right? So I want to take you into 2 Timothy I want to begin in, in chapter 2. I want to look at two verses there. I'm, I'm going to uh, just camp there for just a second in, in the book of, of 2 Timothy. Uh, because I think this is a wonderful place for us to understand that, that God's intent is for us to serve and, and to work and to be diligent and to be prepared. You know, to really be prepared to do the work of the kingdom. All right? Beginning at verse 20, I'm just going to read two verses there. In a large house... There are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. And some are for special purposes, and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, the common, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. I would like to challenge us that we live at a higher level than we've ever lived before. All right? Here's the big thing today. The big thought today is there is a work for me to do. All right? There's a work for me to do. There's a work for you to do. Every single person sitting here today, God has something for your life. God has intentionality for you. He wants to use you in his kingdom. As you love him and serve him and bless him, he wants to use you. He's got a plan. He's got something in mind for you, and he's all about you finding that. He's all about you discovering your gifts and, and understanding your gifts and all of that. And, and so God's intent is that you be a person who is prepared to do some good things, all right, some good works. We can live mediocre. We can live common. We can live on a level where there really isn't much action. There really isn't a lot of things going on in our lives. We can, we can keep it real calm. We can keep it real ordinary. And that doesn't, that doesn't make you a bad person, all right? That, that doesn't indicate some evil component of you, all right? That, there's not, it doesn't mean you're in some way defective, all right? It might mean for some of us that we're a bit lazy, you know, or we're a tad bit you know, out, out of sorts or disorganized or something like that. But, but generally speaking, there's a place you and I can live where we can fulfill purpose in God. All right, but we've got to be aware of that and intentional about developing our lives so that we can do that, that we can be ready, that we can be positioned for what God wants us to do. All right, so there's some preparation that needs to go on in our lives. We need to order our world a bit, all right? McDonald wrote a wonderful book about ordering your private world, you know? It's a good book. And then there's others that have been written like that or on that vein, okay? There's this, this idea of doing a few things that will really help you, all right? Let's, let's turn over a chapter to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and look there for just a moment, all right? Look at for, beginning at verse 14. As for you, now Paul is writing this all to young Timothy, all right? And, and he's trying to encourage him and help him as he's mentoring him to live his life as productive and effectively and, and as influentially as he possibly can, all right? So he says, as for you, continue in what you've learned and what you've been convinced of because you know from whom you learned it. That's, that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? Paul's saying, you know, I mean, in one occasion, Paul says, you want to do, do right, just do what I do. You know, but, but the man understood the, the things that he was called to do, and he sought God, and he lived a life that was beyond reproach, and he was faithful, and he was passionate in all that he did. And, uh, and he could say, hey, just, just stay with me, stick with me. I would love for you and I, when someone walks in the door and they say, you know, I don't know Jesus, or maybe they say something like, you know, I, I found Jesus, I was watching a television show, and I prayed a prayer, and I 
accept Christ into my heart, you know, and I just don't know what to do now. I don't know where to go. I don't, I don't, know, I don't have any, any understanding about what I need to do. You know, I just, I just want somebody to help me. Is there anybody in here today? I don't, I'm not putting you on the spot, but this has happened several times in the last, say, month or so. Is there anybody in here today? You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, but you've just been like coming by Life Church and seeing the signs, and, and you just thought I should come in here. You know, I, I should I should check that church out. Anybody in here you you like that? You know, okay. Well, several yeah, several people. Good. Several people have done that over the, the recent weeks. You know, they're just they, they come in and say, you know, I've been driving back and forth and I see those signs. I'm so glad we put those signs up. You know, we, we were the, the best kept secret. In for so long. Nobody knew we were a church. You know, what, what's up on that door? What's that all about? You know, some secret, you know, thing. Uh, no, we just never got around to putting a sign up. Okay? Um, now we have a sign. You know, people ride by and they see Life Church and, oh, and it's enticing and it's intriguing. And so they come and check it out. All right? So what, what I'm saying is plausible here really is. All right? What if someone comes in and says to you, I, I don't know what to do.
quickly, like Philip Pullis here, let me give them to you. Here are some things that I think you need to do to order your life and prioritize your life for God. I, I, I don't want this to be to sound presumptuous at all to you. I'm very careful to you, all right? But I believe if you'll take the ten things that you're going to get over the next today and next Sunday, you'll take these ten things, and you really will work with them, and you really will incorporate them into your life. Some of them you already are there. Follow these ten. Your life will be very dynamic and very effective for God. All right. Now, disclaimer right up front: none of these are like woo, big, wonderful, powerful things. You know, they're all very practical. They're very down to earth things. All right. But they're very important things. The first one is this: pray. Break up the fallow ground. All right. Hosea chapter ten, verse twelve. It says, sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes with showers or, and showers his, his righteousness on you. I've heard this preached so many times by pastors and, and they really focus in on it. It's time to seek the Lord. It's always time to seek the Lord, all right? There, there's no special time to seek the Lord. I, I, I don't even... Really, I don't even like the idea of special services. Every service should be special. Every time we come together on a Sunday, we should be engaging God and, and, and experiencing His presence and, and growing in grace and, and love and mercy and all those kinds of things. We should, we should be changing. Everything should be happening around us. But, but here's what I want you to understand. Look at verse 13, which is kind of a downer verse, okay? It's, it, it's the, the contrast of the previous verse and the, and the command that, that, that is there. It says, you have planted wickedness. You've reaped evil. You've eaten the fruit of deception. Because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. Because, because they had depended on themselves and believed that they were self-sufficient. They had no dependency on God. They had gone into deception and they had, had followed after wickedness. And, and so what they had planted, all right, what they had, had sown, they were now reaping the harvest of that. They were eating the fruit of that. You know, that's the thing you need to understand in life is whatever you plant, that's what you're going to get. All right? That's what's going to come back to you. Whatever you're diligent to work at, that's what's going to come back to you. That's the fruit that, that you're going to eat. All right? And so it's very important for us to understand that 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 the, the, the groundwork, the framework, all right, the foundational things that we, we sang about this morning, the foundation that we lay, it's important that that comes out of diligent prayer. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you feel like you really have a very effective, committed prayer life, you know? There are times when I can say, yeah, I'm on it, man, my, I'm on my game. I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it, you know? And there are other times when I'm like, man, I am I'm stinking. I am void. I, I am empty. And there's other times when I'm saying, you know what? I'm on it, but it's all legalistic. I'm doing it out of function. I'm doing it out of form. I'm doing it out of some sense of obligation. It's some law, and it's killing me. I've lost the life. I've lost the joy. I've lost the excitement. I'm saying, let's go back. Don't, don't set yourself up. Don't, don't today walk out of here going, hallelujah, I'm going to spend four hours every day in prayer because hallelujah, you can't do that in all likelihood unless you're out of work and you don't have any responsibilities and you have grandma giving you lots of money every week because life doesn't allow for that all right let's be practical let's be realistic here what can you realistically give to god in prayer go there camp there stay there and get it all right make your prayer life effective all right Plow up that ground. Begin to, to move in with God and, and, and do some work. Because you got to plow before you can plant. All right? You got to plant before you can harvest. You know, I, I know some people, we started talking about, we're going we're gonna to claim an area of the neighborhood and we're going to go out in there and we're going to win the neighborhood and we're going we're gonna to see souls come and we're going to see a harvest of souls. Not without some prayer. Not without some, some relationship building. Not without some caring. You're not going to do that. Not in any neighborhood in any city. There's, there's a beginning place. There's a starting place. And prayer is number one. All right? Number two, stir up the gift within you. All right? It's not just about what's out there, but it's what's in here. 
All right, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded, Paul says to Timothy, of your sincere faith. It was given to you by your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now that it lives in you. Paul's, Paul's giving him a great compliment here. I, I, I see your faith. I see the, what, what, what you have inside of you. Great faith is, is in you. But, but he says, now, for that reason, because there is great faith in you, because, because God has planted something inside of you, all right? I want to remind you of something, Timothy. Fan the gift of God. Fan that flame of that gift of God, which is in you been put into you by the laying on of hands. In other words, some elders in, in the church obviously came along. They recognized young Timothy as gifted. They recognized the gift in him. They laid their hands on him. They prayed and, and blessed and activated these gifts in this young man. And so Paul's now saying, hey, I just want to bring it back to you. I want to remind you, Timothy, you need to fan into flame that gift of God. You have the responsibility. He says, for the Spirit of God uh, gave us uh, he does not he does not give us fear all right he doesn't make us timid but he gives us power and love and and self-discipline or soundness of mind those kinds of things all right so the important thing for you to understand today is god has something for you god has gifts that he's imparted to you but you have the responsibility of stirring that up it's not going to just happen through prayer it's going to happen by faith when you recognize those gifts and acknowledge them and take ownership of them, but also you let others in the body help you hone those gifts, and those gifts are activated, and you begin to use those gifts in the body. Some of you have the gift of help, and God just wants you to serve and, and, and love on this neighborhood and help this neighborhood to be a better neighborhood. Some of you have some, some wonderful uh, gifts of administration. God wants you to use those to help the church to, to function and plan, plan events and, and, and do things and assist the pastor. Some of you have a, a tremendous gift of prayer. Some of you have such compassion and mercy. Actually, some of you in this church have so much mercy and compassion that I worry about you when you go out on the street. That that gets tempered with wisdom and understanding and other gifts of God. not a one of you that doesn't have some impartation from God. If you are a believer or you're not a believer. I listened to a, a, a great, like old, I'm old, okay? I'm older, I'm an older person. Uh, I listened to uh, a, a, a story. There are two brothers, and you would, you would know them if I said their names. And one of, they're both actually great musicians. One of them is in the world, and one of them uh, has been in the church for, for many years one who is in the world uh, equally or maybe more so gifted with, with music. And, and, and he was in an interview uh, uh, on I, I, one of the, the talk shows years ago. And, and the person said, you know, I want to I wanna just remind you of your brother. Gifted, you know, leading a big church, doing some pastor ministry, you know, feeding hungry people in Africa, doing amazing things. Uh, he's got a wonderful pianist, got a great voice, you know, sings, sings the old gospel song. What happened that you went such a different way? And he said to the person, I didn't serve God. I didn't choose to follow Christ. And he said, but the gift that God gave me is still there. And he said, I just didn't use my gift to serve God. Like you
Everybody's going to get to do a little inventory and kind of figure out maybe where some of your gifts are. We're going to start to identify those and sit down together and say, look, all right, here are my gifts. How, okay, how do we help you uh, actualize those gifts in the body? How do we help you to do the work? How do we help you stir that gift up? All right, so stir up with the flame. All right, do it. Number three, I'm going to take you back to Genesis chapter 26 here, looking, starting at, at verse 12. And the idea here is redigging the well. All right? So the first thing we do is we, we pray. We break up the fallow ground. Right? We plow the soul. All right? We plow this soul and break it up and get it open to the Spirit of God and, and, and the Holy Spirit working and ministering in us to get in tune with God. All right? We get sensitive spiritually to God. All right? The second thing is we stir up the gift that is within us. All right? We, we, we unleash that spiritual passion, all right, uh, like the Apostle Paul. Okay? And so that gift gets stirred up. That, that God, and we, we, don't, we don't go over to fear. All right, we don't, that's not what we've been given. We've been given love and power and soundness of mind. All right, so the third thing is we, we redig the well. All right, and I want to take you to, to a story in Genesis to, to talk about this one. But what I want to say here is that I, I want you to start respecting those things that are very enduring in the kingdom of God. Here's a big problem in the church today, and that is we don't respect enough of the traditions of the church, some, some very key traditions. Because we're always looking at what's the trend, what's the new thing that's out there. And, and if you watch trends most of the time, the majority of the time, they come and they go. All right? They're seasonal at best. They, they, they have a window of time. And, and I'm not saying that, that, that all trends are bad. But I'm saying there's some things that you just need to, to, to go back and, and hold on to. There's some things that you need to pull from that are, that are genuinely foundational in the church that you that you can hold to, all right? There's, there, there, that, that's an important part of what we do. Let, 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 let's look here for just a minute. Genesis chapter 26. Isaac planted crops in the land. In the same year reached a hundredfold because the Lord blessed him. The man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech came to Isaac and said, Move away from us, you become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar, where he settled. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same name his father had given them. Here's what I want you to understand. There's some wonderful traditions in the church that you can bring back. And they can have a powerful effect on your life. Just because it was way back then doesn't mean it can't be now. And I really want to challenge us that we're not always searching for the new thing. We're not just looking for the trend out there or some, some novelty that comes along in the church but that we really go back to some basic foundational disciplines of the church and of life and that we live in them. We camp in them and we stay there, all right? Some of you, there's some things that you, you held on to when you first became a Christian. and they were, they were vital to your life, but the enemy came in and he capped some of those things. Prayer may be one of them. A daily discipline of Scripture Reading some of the church fathers is good for some of you guys. It's important. Understanding some of the history of the church would be vital for you guys. I've had people tell me, Pastor, I need to go and pray with a group of people, but I just never got away with that. Kind of I don't think so. I think it's absolutely Just actually uh, two 
block uh, west of Minnesota, uh, off of 12th Street. So if you're on Minnesota, you turn in daylight, go down, go west, and then two blocks down, there's your summer home. All right, and then uh, there's a four-way stop right there. Just leave it right there. Okay. Um, so uh, go go and, and, and do that. But but here's what I want you to understand: is that we don't grow out of gathering and praying. We don't grow out of corporate worship. The Bible says don't forsake assembling yourselves together, especially in times like these. You know, difficult times. We need to come together. It's not things we, we grow out of. Jack said, hey, I love all that, that praying out there, but I feel the need to come back in the house. Sunday night now, you can do it tonight. Okay, starting tonight, you're back in the house, not on the street. Other times you're on the street, just Sunday night, back in the house, gathering, praying up in the home. All right? You can come in. You, you, can, you can call people in. Some of these guys meet and pray in different homes. What, maybe once a month you pray in some homes or whatever uh, and gather. It's all right. All right? Pray. But, but there, are some, there, are some, there are some things that, that you need to sort of like go back and revisit and, and redig some of those wells. All right? The fourth thing that I want to say to you is that fulfill your neglected vows. All right? By, by that I mean renew commitments, if you will. All right? Psalm 66, verse 13. I will come to your temple with burnt offerings and fulfill my vows to you. Vows my lips promised and my mouth spoke when I was in trouble. Now, first of all, let me say this. Be careful what you say in a moment of desperation. When I was young as a Christian, and all these people were fasting. I got into it. I got saved back in hippie days, you know. And, and I was one of those hippie people. And, and I, got, I got saved and, 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 and kind of got all cleaned up and, and, and uh, got in a, in a church with a lot of young people in the church, you know. And they were former hippies, so they're a little crazy, you know. And so we were just doing crazy stuff. And we'd have prayer meetings that would go for hours and hours. And, you know, kids would find themselves outside in, in, the, in the yard of the church. And, and the old people were going, oh, my God, is this really God? I think this might be the devil, you know. And, and, and we're just out there dancing and singing and kumbaya and all that kind of stuff. And this is, this is just great. We didn't care. You know, we were just happy and we were free. You know, we were free and, and we, we loved it. All right. It was, it, was, it was a great, great experience, if, if you will, there. You know, but, but I was watching different people and they're like, you know, I love the Lord so much, I'm going to do this. And I love the Lord so much, I'm going to give up this and, and that. And, and I didn't really... I, I'd given up so much, you know. I gave up drugs and alcohol and long hair and, and, and bell-bottom jeans and Nehru shirts and, and a peace sign that was hanging around my neck. And I feel like, you know, man, if they have to go one more time, I don't have anything else to give up, you know. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm going, that, it gets to me, you know, and I'm like, what do I have? And I said, I just blurted out, I said, God, I'll give up Oreo cookies. I love you so much. I love Dunkin' Oreo cookies and milk. It was like, well, isn't it good? It's so good. I was like, and immediately, it's like the next thing in my heart is, shoot. <laughs> what did I just do? You know? But I, I made this vow out of sort of like out of desperation, not really thinking. You know, and I'm like, and afterwards I'm like, why would you even give up Oreo cookies? You know, it doesn't even make sense to give up Oreo cookies. Now I would give them up because I'm health conscious, you know, and I run and all that. So now I, would, I don't eat Oreo cookies. All right? Not because of the vow, all right? But because it's not good to eat Oreo cookies all the time. So, so I like, I, I go to the pastor and I go, I don't know what I did, but I, I think I did something stupid. And he goes, well, what did you do?
think about the things that you say to God and the things that you promise God. There may be some things that you've vowed to God that you need to go back and, and let the Holy Spirit help you to reconsider. And you need to let God let go of the vow. All right? You don't want to break a vow. You don't want to, you don't want condemnation and guilt to come upon you because you feel like you broke a vow. All right? I was going to maintain it. I was like, uh, I got to do it. I vowed it, you know. But somebody said, go talk to your pastor, get wisdom, and this is your understanding. And I did. He said, no. He said, you go and you, you pray. You ask God for grace. He said, I, I believe God will help you. You know what you need to do. If he says, do it, you got to do it. You know? And I, I did. I prayed. I said, God, you know, this is right. And, and he took me to a story, and I, I read the story in, a, in a, a, a book that someone else had written. And sort of the same kind of story about being careful about vows and, and just ask God to release you from your vow and pray and go on, you know. And I thought, Whew, I guess my Ezekiel River is you know. And I prayed and uh, I, I got released from the vow, you know. I felt like, like there was grace for me there. And, and, I, and what I gave to God that day was a vow of, God, I'll try to be wise. I'll try to be more careful. Sometimes we promise some things to God. Some, there's some things that some of us have said, God, I need to do this. And I promise you I'll do it. And you need to go back and visit that promise. You need to go back and restore that vow. Because God took it seriously. Because in, in that moment of time, it was, it, was, it was serious. So go back and clean it up. All right? If there's something that you need to restore with God in your relationship, go back and do it. Go back to that place, all right, and, and make it happen, all right? The last thing, number five for today, is repair the breach. Look at 2 Kings chapter 12. This one's, this one's kind of a big one to me, all right? And, and I want to say here that this is all about confession and, and the idea that honesty heals us, okay? And, and that sometimes we just got to go back and make some things right, all right? But repair the breach. 2 Kings chapter 12, beginning at verse um, 1. In the 70th year of Jehu, Johash became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 40 years. His mother's name was Zibiah. He, uh, she was from Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all the years uh, that uh, this guy was priest and instructed him. Okay? <laughs> all right. Um, the high places, however, all right, he did what was right, but the high places were not removed. And the people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Joash said to the priest, Collect all the money that is brought as sacred offerings to the temple of the Lord. The money collected in the census, the money received from personal vows, and the money brought voluntarily to the temple. Let every priest receive the money from one of the treasurers. Use it to repair whatever damage is found in the temple. In some translations, it will say to repair the breach. What is a breach? A breach like in a, in a wall or in a, like in a, in a, in a fence, like a, like a wall around a city, if there's a breach, it's a place that's in disrepair. It's a place that out of neglect has fallen into disrepair and, and has caused an opening or a gap. And that's a place that the enemy looks for. All right? That's the place that when the enemy, the spies of the enemy come around, all right? When they come around and they begin to, to spy out a city, with the intent of overtaking it and destroying it, they look for the breach. What's the weak place? What's, what's that point, all right? What's that, that place in the wall where, the, where, where we can get in, all right? And that's where they go, all right? That's where the attack happens, is in the breach. And so it's important to constantly look at the wall, constantly see where it is that the enemy can get in. And so for you and I, there needs to be a constant alertness of where are the weak points in my life? Where are the snags that are just under the water, so to speak, you know, that, that's talked about in Titus, you know? Where, where, are, those, where are those places where, where the boat, when it's, when it's going across the water, can hit that snag that's unseen, but it's right there, it's right at the surface, but it can destroy the boat and sink it? What are those things in your life Maybe it's a failure. Maybe it's a past experience. Maybe it's, it's, it's something habitual. I don't know. But what I want you to know is that, that you can get beyond the past. 
And the past doesn't, doesn't dictate the future. It doesn't dictate your now. And so it's really important that you and I begin to understand what are the things that the enemy can get in? Where are the places where he gets into my life? And you need to restore the breach. You need to do what is necessary. And that may mean doing some things yourself and, 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 and uh, um, you know, getting with God and letting God work in your heart. It may, it may mean that you're getting someone else to pray with you. Uh, uh, it may mean you going through some sozo prayer for, for healing and, 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 and maybe some deliverance prayer. It may mean you going to a counselor and, and having a few sessions with a counselor. It may be you just committing to another brother or another sister, brother to brother, sister to sister, and, and uh, disclosing some things and asking that brother or sister that you trust to help you pray into and work through those things and be accountable to someone. It may just take the due diligence of all of these other things that we're talking about here. But here's what I want to tell you. If you will prepare yourself, you will prepare the way of the Lord. You get yourself ready. Jesus will come. He'll come through and he'll do some things. If we are a ready people, if we are a prepared people, God will explode in this neighborhood. Let's stand together. y'all understand what I'm talking about here? I'm just trying to give you some very practical advice to help you. I need you to order your life. I need you to join with me, all right? We got a work to do. We got a neighborhood to win, all right? We've got a purpose out there that's already, it's already in place. It's already happening. We did outreach, all right? Other, there, there's, there's at least three other ministries outside of our neighborhood who are coming into our neighborhood and doing stuff like prayer walking. God's actually given us helpers. Other boats are coming along beside us. There's things going on. So we need we need to be ready. Prepare yourself. Let's get ourselves ready, all right, for the move of God. Let's pray. God, I ask you to take this word today and ignite it in the lives of these people especially in me and in Pastor Dave, that we would be leaders in this area, that we would order our own lives, that, that we would become committed and, and dedicated to, to having order and prioritizing the, the, the spiritual life of this congregation. And I pray that every person today would be committed to an, an openness to let you work deeply in their own hearts, to, to accept the challenge of change, of shifting, of, of, of being honed and shaped into the man or woman that you have called them to be. And I pray that we would see ourselves as living vessels of honor, service for the master, ready and prepared into every good work. I pray, Lord, that, that you move us above the ordinary to the extraordinary, that we live on a higher plane, that we take on the responsibility and we prove faithful. And I pray that as we prove faithful, you will give us then more and more opportunities you will increase that sphere of influence in greater and greater levels. God, we want you to have this neighborhood, and we want to be used by you to do that. So we submit ourselves to you today. Have your way. Help us that we will indeed trust and obey you this day. God, seal this in the heart of every person here and give them courage and faith and hope today to be able to respond to you and to be obedient to these things that I have challenged them with. For I believe, Father, they're from you. They're born out of your spirit. And they're verified by your word. So, God, I ask you to do it. In Jesus' holy name, amen. All right. Have a blessed week. Enjoy your summer. Uh, please be careful through these summer days, all right? We love you. We love being your pastors.